Judah and Tamar, Joseph and Potiphar's wife, and a cupbearer and a baker. Famous and infamous pairings in today's lesson through Genesis. I'll see you in a minute. Welcome back. I'm Jennifer Richmond, and this is the Dwelling Richly Bible Study, where we love God, heart, soul, mind, and strength. We are women who enthusiastically and intentionally dwell in the Word and let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly. You can find Bible studies and video teaching like this on my blog and the Dwelling Richly podcast. Subscribe to this channel, hit that little church bell so you can get notified whenever I drop a new video. Let's get into the Word. All right, let's get into God's Word here together. Glad that you are with me. We are reading in Lesson 1, and it's Day 8. And today we're going to be taking a journey in Genesis yet again, beginning in Chapter 38. And we're going to be digging a little bit back into the life of one of Israel's or Jacob's sons, Judah, an infamous encounter, and then really getting in some great story time with uh, Joseph. And like I mentioned yesterday, this will be reminding many of you, I'm sure, of Sunday school lessons or maybe Awana lessons or maybe vacation Bible school stories that you had growing up. But these are wonderful accounts in the Bible that point to the goodness of God and also make us think. And uh, we're going to ask some questions about that as we uh, move through these passages. So uh, as we begin, we always want to start with prayer. And today I'm going to ask us that we would pray together for our grace group leaders and well a little self-serving but for me uh, we are all in this together and we pray for you as leaders and we would love your prayers for us so today we're going to ask you to be intentional about that lift up your grace group leaders lift up me and let's all be in prayer for one another today as we begin this study let's go ahead and pray and then get into our lesson Heavenly Father, we do lift up to you all of the Grace Group leaders who are loving you and loving uh, your people as they love your word. And I bless them today, Lord, in everything that they're dealing with in their personal lives. Bless them as they study and any sense of discouragement they may encounter or just feeling overwhelmed in this season of life. Um, be an encouragement to them and remind them of what a great thing that they're doing by blessing the family of God. Thank you for your love for us and how you open our eyes and our heart to your word. And we ask that you would go before us in our time together now in Jesus name. Amen. All right. And of course, we are memorizing Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28, which is, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. And today I'm asking you to write that with your eyes closed. Yes, with your eyes closed. So grab your pen or your pencil, get yourself oriented in that, in that little box at the top of the page and see how you can do trying to write it with your eyes closed. <laughs> have fun with that and have even more fun when you guys come back together in grace groups in a few days and share uh, how well you did or didn't do with your eyes closed. I would like to see those as well. Today, number three, as we read and engage, why do some people experience an event and say, wow, what a coincidence? And others say, amazing. God is truly orchestrating this whole situation. Consider that idea as you read and make note of coincidences, I'll say that with air quotes, that only God could have brought about. All right, are you ready? I am. I've got my Bible here as well as on the screen for us today and our lesson as well. And let's go ahead and get into God's word. Genesis 38. At that time, Judah left his brothers and stayed with an Adulamite man named Hirah. There, Judah saw the daughter of a Canaanite man named Shuha. Judah acquired her as a wife and slept with her. She became pregnant and had a son. Judah named him Ur. He became pregnant again and had another son whose 
she named Onan. Then she had yet another son whom she named Shelah. She gave birth to him in Kazib. Judah acquired a wife for Ur, his firstborn. Her name was Tamar. But Ur, Judah's firstborn, was evil in the Lord's sight, so the Lord killed him. Then Judah said to Onan, Sleep with your brother's wife and fulfill the duty of a brother-in-law so to, uh, to her, so that you may raise up a descendant for your brother. But Onan knew that the child would not be considered his, so whenever he slept with his brother's wife, he wasted his emission on the ground so as not to give his brother a descendant. What he did was evil in the Lord's sight, so the Lord killed him too. Then Judah said to his daughter-in-law Tamar, Live as a widow in your father's house until Shelah, my son, grows up. For he thought, I don't want him to die like his brothers. So Tamar went and lived in her father's house. After some time, Judah's wife, the daughter of Shua, died. After Judah was consoled, he left for Timnah to visit his sheep shearers along with friend Hirat the Adulamite. Tamar was told, Look, your father-in-law is going up to Timnah to shear his sheep. So she removed her widow's cloth and covered herself with a veil. She wrapped herself and sat at the entrance to Iniam, which is on the way to Timnah. She did this because she saw that she had not been given to Shelah as a wife, even though he had now grown up. When Judah saw her, he thought she was a prostitute because she had her face covered. She had covered her face. He turned aside to her along the road and said, Come, please, I want to sleep with you. He did not realize it was his daughter-in-law. She asked, What will you give me so that you may sleep with me? He replied, I'll send you a young goat from the flock. She asked, Will you give me a pledge until you send it? He said, What pledge should I give you? She replied, Your seal, your cord, and the staff that is in your hand. So he gave them to her, then slept with her, and she became pregnant by him. She left immediately, removed her veil, and put on her widow's clothes. Then Judah had his friend Hirah the Adulamite take a young goat to get back from the woman the items he had given in pledge, but Hirah could not find her. He had asked the men who were there, where is the cult prostitute who was at Eniam by the road? But they replied, there's been no cult prostitute here. So he returned to Judah and said, I couldn't find her. Moreover, the men of the place says there have been no cult there has been no cult prostitute here. So Judah said, let her keep the things for herself, otherwise we will appear to be dishonest. I did indeed send this young goat, but you couldn't find her. After three months, Judah was told, Your daughter-in-law Tamar has turned to prostitution, and as a result, she has become pregnant. Judah said, Bring her out, and let her be burned. While they were bringing her out, she sent word to her father-in-law, I am pregnant by the man to whom these belong. Then she said, Identify the one to whom the seal, cord, and staff belong. Judah recognized them and said, she is more upright than I am because I wouldn't give her to Sheila, my son. He was not physically intimate with her again. When it was time for her to give birth, there were twins in her womb. While she was giving birth, one child put out his hand and the midwife took a scarlet thread, tied it on his hand and saying, this one came out first. But then he drew back his hand and his brother came out before him. She said, how you have broken out of the womb. So he was named Perez. Afterward, his brother came out the one who had a scarlet thread on his hand, and he was named Zerah. Fascinating story. <laughs> Interesting encounter. Make sure you underline those names. Those will come up again. Chapter 39. Now, Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and the Egyptian named Potiphar, an official of Pharaoh and the captain of the guard, purchased him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him there. The Lord was with Joseph. 
He was, he was successful and lived in the household of his Egyptian master. His master observed that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made everything he was doing successful. So Joseph found favor in his sight and became his personal attendant. Potiphar appointed Joseph overseer of his household and put him in charge of everything he owned. From the time Potiphar appointed him over his household and over all that he owned, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's household for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on everything that he had, both in his house and in his field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. He gave no thought to anything except the food he ate. Now, Joseph was well-built and good-looking. Soon after these things, his master's wife took notice of him, of Joseph, and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused, saying to his master's wife, Look, my master does not give any thought to his household with me here, and everything that he owns he has put into my care. There is no one greater in this household than I am. He has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. So how can I do such a great evil and sin against God? Even though she continued to speak to Joseph day after day, he did not respond to her invitation to go to bed with her. One day he went into the house to do his work when none of the household servants were there in the house. She grabbed him by his outer garment saying, come to bed with me. But he left his outer garment in her hand and ran outside. When she saw that he had left his outer garment in her hand and had run it outside, she called for her household servants and said to them, See, my husband brought a Hebrew man into here to us to humiliate us. He tried to go to bed with me, but I screamed loudly. When he heard me raise my voice and scream, he left his outer garment beside me and ran outside. So she laid his outer garment beside her until his master could home. This is what she said to him. That Hebrew slave you brought to us tried to humiliate me, but when I raised my voice and screamed, he left his outer garment and ran outside. When the master heard his wife say, this is the way your slave treated me, he became furious. Joseph's master took him, threw him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. So he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him kindness. He granted him favor in the sight of the prison warden. The warden put all the prisoners under Joseph's care. He was in charge of whatever they were doing. The warden did not concern himself with anything that was in Joseph's care because the Lord was with him and whatever he was doing, the Lord was making successful. Chapter 40. After these things happened, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and the royal baker offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was enraged with his two officials, the cupbearer and the baker. So he imprisoned them in the house of the captain of the guard in the same facility where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be their attendant and he served them. They spent some time in custody. Both of them, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, had a dream the same night. Each man's dream had its own meaning. When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were looking depressed. So he asked Pharaoh's officials, who were with him in custody in the master's house. Why do you look so sad today? They told him, we both had dreams, but there is no one to interpret them. Joseph responded, don't interpretations belong to God? Then tell them to me. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph. In my dream, there was a vine in front of me. On the vine, there were three branches. As it budded, it blossoms opened and its clusters ripened into grapes. Now Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, so I took the grapes, squeezed them into the cup, and put the cup in Pharaoh's hand. This is its meaning, Joseph said to them. The three branches represent three days. In three more days, Pharaoh will reinstate you and restore you to your office. You will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you did before when you were cupbearer. But remember me when it goes well for you. Show me kindness. 
make mention of me to Pharaoh and bring me out of this prison. For I really was kidnapped from the land of the Hebrews, and I have done nothing wrong here for which they should put me in a dungeon. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation of the first dream was favorable, he said to Joseph, I also appeared in my dream, and there were three baskets of white bread on my head. In the top basket, there were baked goods of every kind for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating them from my basket that was on my head. Joseph replied, this is its meaning. The three days, uh, the three baskets represent three days. In three more days, Pharaoh will decapitate you and impale you on a pole. Then the birds will eat your flesh from you. Ugh. On the third day, it was Pharaoh's birthday, so he gave a feast for all his servants. He lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker in the midst of his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his former position so that he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand, but the chief baker he impaled, just as Joseph had predicted. But the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Genesis 41. At the end of two full years, Pharaoh had a dream. As he was standing by the Nile, seven fine-looking fat cows were coming up out of the Nile, and they grazed in the reeds. Then seven bad-looking thin cows were coming up after them from the Nile, and they stood beside the other cows at the edge of the river. The bad-looking thin cows ate the seven fine-looking fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. Then he fell asleep again and had a second dream. There were seven heads of grain growing on one stalk, healthy and good. Then seven heads of grain, thin and burned by the east wind, were sprouting up after them. The thin heads swallowed up the seven healthy and full heads. Then Pharaoh woke up and realized it was a dream. In the morning he was troubled, so he called for the diviner priests of Egypt and all its wise men. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I recall my failures. Pharaoh was enraged with his servants, and he put me in prison in the house of the captain of the guards, me and the chief baker. We each had a dream one night. Each of us had a dream with its own meaning. Now a young man, a Hebrew, a servant of the captain of the guards, was with us there. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted the meaning of each of our respective dreams for us. It happened just as he said to us. Pharaoh restored me to my office, but he impaled the baker. Pharaoh summoned Joseph. So they brought him quickly out of the dungeon, he shaved himself, changed his clothes, and came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and there was no one who could interpret it, but I have heard about you that you can interpret dreams. Joseph replied to Pharaoh, It is not within my power, but God will speak concerning the welfare of Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, In my dream I was standing by the edge of the Nile. Then seven fat and fine-looking cows were coming up out of the Nile, and they grazed in the reeds. Then seven other cows came up after them. They were scrawny, very bad-looking, and lean. I had never seen such bad-looking cows as these in all the land of Egypt. The lean, bad-looking cows ate up the seven fat cows. When they had eaten them, no one would have known they had done so, for they were just as bad-looking as before. Then I woke up. I also saw in my dream seven heads of grain growing on one stalk, full and good. Then seven heads of grain withered and thin and burned from the east wind were sprouting up after them. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven good heads of grain. So I told all this to diviner priests, but no one could tell me its meaning. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, Both dreams of Pharaoh have the same meaning. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows represent seven years, and the seven good heads of grain represent seven years. Both dreams have the same meaning. The seven lean, bad-looking cows that came up after them represent seven years, as do the seven empty heads of grain burned with the east wind. They represent seven years of famine.
This is just what I told Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the whole land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will occur after them, and all the abundance will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. The famine will devastate the land. The previous abundance of the land will not be remembered because of the famine that follows, for the famine will be very severe. The dream was repeated to Pharaoh because the matter had been decreed by God, and God will make it happen soon. So now Pharaoh should look for a wise and discerning man and give him authority over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh should do this. He should appoint officials throughout the land to collect one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should gather the excess food during these good years that are coming. By Pharaoh's authority, they should store up grain so the cities will have food and they should preserve it. This food should be held in storage for the land in preparation for the seven years of famine that will occur through the land of Egypt. In this way, the land will survive the famine. The advice made sense to Pharaoh and all his officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials, Can we find a man like Joseph, one in whom the Spirit of God is present? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, Because God has enabled you to know all this, there is no one wise and discerning as you are. You will oversee my household, and my people will submit to your commands. Only I, the king, will be greater than you. See here, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I place you in authority over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his own hand, put it on Joseph's. He clothed him with fine linen clothes, put a gold chain around his neck. Pharaoh had him ride in the chariot used by his second in command, and they cried out before him, Kneel down! So he placed him over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh also said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your permission, no one will move his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name Zaphnath Peneah. He also gave his uh, gave him um, Asenath, daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, to be his wife. So Joseph took charge of all the land of Egypt. Now Joseph was 30 years old when he began serving Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Joseph was commissioned by Pharaoh and was in charge of all the land of Egypt. During the seven years of abundance, the land produced large, bountiful harvests. Joseph collected all the excess food in the land of Egypt during the seven years and stored it in the cities. In every city, he put the food gathered from the fields around it. Joseph stored up a vast amount of grain, like the sand at the sea, until he stopped measuring it because it was impossible to measure. Two sons were born to Joseph before the famine came. Asenath, daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, was their mother. Joseph named the firstborn Manasseh, saying, Certainly God has made me forget all my trouble and my father's house. He named the second child Ephraim, saying, Certainly God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. The seven years of abundance in the land of Egypt came to an end. Then the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had predicted. There was famine in all the other lands, but throughout the land of Egypt there was food. When all the land of Egypt experienced the famine, the people cried out to Pharaoh for food. Pharaoh said to all the people of Egypt, Go to Joseph and do whatever he tells you. While the famine was over all the earth, Joseph opened the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians. The famine was severe throughout the land of Egypt. People from every country came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain because the famine was severe throughout the earth. Chapter 42 When Jacob heard there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, Why are you looking at each other? Then he said, Look, I hear there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy grain for us so that we may live and not die. So ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt. But Jacob did not send Joseph's brother Benjamin with his brothers, for he said, What if some accident happened to him? 
So Israel's sons came to buy grain among the other travelers, for the famine was severe in the land of Canaan. Now Joseph was the ruler of the country, the one who sold grain to all the people in the country. Joseph's brothers came and bowed down before him with their faces to the ground. When Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he pretended to be a stranger to them and spoke to them harshly. He asked, Where do you come from? They answered, From the land of Canaan to buy grain for food. Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. Then Joseph remembered the dreams he had dreamed about them, and he said to them, You are spies. You have come to see if our land is vulnerable. But they exclaimed, No, my lord, your servants have come to buy grain for food. We are all the sons of one man. We are honest men. Your servants are not spies. No, no, he insisted. But you have come to see if your, our land is vulnerable. They replied, Your servants are from a family of twelve brothers. We are the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. The youngest is with our father at this time, and one is no longer alive. But Joseph told them, it is just as I said to you, you are spies. You will be tested in this way. As surely as Pharaoh lives, you will not depart from this place unless your youngest brother comes here. One of you must go and get your brother while the rest of you remain in prison. In this way, your words may be tested to see if you are telling the truth. If not, then as surely as Pharaoh lives, you are spies. He imprisoned them all for three days. On the third day, Joseph said to them, do as I say and you will live for I fear God. If you are honest men, leave one of your brothers confined here in prison while the rest of you go back and take grain back for your hungry families. But you must bring your youngest brother to me. Then your words will be verified and you will not die. They did, as he said. They said to one another, Surely we're being punished because of our brother, because we saw how distressed he was when he cried to us for mercy, but we refused to listen. That is why this distress has come upon us. Reuben said to them, didn't I say to you, don't sin against the boy, but you wouldn't listen. So now we must pay for shedding his blood. Now they did not know that Joseph could understand them, for he was speaking through an interpreter. He turned away from them and wept. When he turned around and spoke to them again, he and Simon, he and Simeon, taken from them and tied up before their eyes. Then Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain, to return each man's money to his sack, and to give them provisions for the journey. His orders were carried out. So they loaded their grain on their donkeys and left. When one of them opened his sack to get feed for his donkey at their resting place, he saw his money in the mouth of the sack. He said to his brothers, my money was returned. Here it is in my sack. They were dismayed. They turned trembling to one another and said, what in the world has God done to us? They returned to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan and told him all the things that had happened to them, saying, The man, the Lord of the land, spoke harshly to us and treated us as if we were spying in the land. But we said to him, We're honest men. We're not spies. We're from a family of twelve brothers. We're the sons of one father. One is no longer alive, and the youngest is with their father at this time in the land of Canaan. Then the man, the Lord of the land, said to us, This is how I will find out if you are an honest man. Leave one of your brothers with me and take grain for your hungry households and go. But bring your youngest brother back to me so I will know that you are honest men and not spies. Then I will give your brother back to you and you may move about freely in the land. When they were emptying their sacks, there was each man's bag of money in his sack. When they and their father saw the bags of money, they were afraid. Their father Jacob said to them, You are making me childless. Joseph is gone, Simeon is gone, and now you want to take Benjamin? Everything is against me. Then Reuben said to his father, You may put my two sons to death if I do not bring him back to you. Put him in my care, and I will bring him back to you. But Jacob replied, My son, do not go down there with you, for his brother is dead, and he is alone is left. If an accident happens to him on the journey, you have to make. Then you will bring... Uh, 
But Jacob replied, My son will not go down there with you, for his brother is dead, and he alone is left. If an accident happens to him on the journey you have to make, then you will bring down my gray hair in sorrow to the grave. Chapter 43. Now the famine was severe in the land. When they finished eating the grain they had brought from Egypt, their father said to them, Return, buy us a little more food. But Judah said to him, The man solemnly warned us, You will not see my face unless your brother is with you. If you send our brother with us, we'll go down and buy food for you. But if you will not send him, we will not go down, because there the man said to us, You will not see my face unless your brother is with you. Israel said, Why did you bring this trouble on me by telling the man you had one more brother? They replied, The man questioned us thoroughly about ourselves and our family, saying, Is your father still alive? Do you have another brother? So we answered him in this way. How could we possibly know that he would say, Bring your brother down? Then Judah said to his father Israel, Send the boy with me, and we will go immediately. Then we will live and not die, we and you and our little ones. I pledge myself, I myself pledge security for him. You may hold me liable if I do not bring him back to you and place him before you. I will bear the blame before you all my life. But if we had not delayed, we could have traveled there and back twice by now. Then their father said to them, If it must be so, then do this. Take some of the best products of the land in your bags and take a gift down to the man, a little balm, a little honey, spices and myrrh pistachios and almonds. Take double the money with you. You must take back the money that was returned in the mouths of your sacks. Perhaps it was an oversight. Take your brother too and go right away to the man. May the sovereign God grant you mercy before the man so that he may release your brother and Benjamin. As for me, if I lose my children, I lose them. So the men took these gifts and they took double the money with them along with Benjamin. Then they hurried down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin with him, he said to the servant who was over his household, Bring the men to the house, slaughter an animal, and prepare it, for the men will eat with me at noon. The man did just as Joseph said. He brought the men into Joseph's house. But the men were afraid. When they were brought to Joseph's house, they said, We're being brought in because of the money that was returned in our sacks last time. He wants to capture us, make us slaves, and take our donkeys. So they approached the man who was in charge of Joseph's household and spoke to him at the entrance of the house. They said, My lord, we did indeed come down the first time to buy food, but when we came to the place where we spent the night, we opened our sacks, and each of us found his money, the full amount, in the mouth of the sack. So we have returned, and we have brought additional money with us to buy food. We do not know who put the money in our sacks. Everything is fine, the man in charge of Joseph's household told him. Don't be afraid. Your God and the God of your father has given you treasure in your sacks. I had your money. Then he brought Simeon out to them. The servant in charge brought the men into Joseph's house. He gave them water, and they washed their feet. Then he gave food to their donkeys. They got their gifts ready for Joseph's arrival at noon, for they had heard that they were to have a meal there. When Joseph came home, they presented him with the gifts they had brought inside, and they bowed down to the ground before him. He asked them how they were going, how they were doing. Then he said, Is your aging father well, the one you spoke about? Is he still alive? Your servant, our father, is well, they replied. He is still alive. They bowed down in humility. When Joseph looked up and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, he said, Is this your youngest brother whom you told me about? Then he said, May God be gracious to you, my son. Joseph hurried out, for he was overcome by affection for his brother and was at the point of tears, so he went to his room and wept there. Then he washed his face and came out. With composure, he said, Set out the food. They set out a place for him, a separate place for his brothers, and another for the Egyptians who were eating with them. The Egyptians are not able to eat with Hebrews, for the Egyptians think it is disgusting to do so. 
They sat before him, arranged by order of birth, beginning with the firstborn and ending with the youngest. The men looked at each other in astonishment. He gave them portions of the food set before him, but the portion for Benjamin was five times greater than the portions for any of the others. They drank with Joseph until they all became drunk. This is a great account. Isn't this an amazing account? I love this. I loved reading it to you. I imagined everything coming alive in my mind. Um, and of course, I'm reminded of just my own experience growing up in the church, attending Sunday school, VBS, and, uh, and just hearing the story growing up and reading it again in God's word in this translation just brought it back to life. I hope you enjoyed it as well. Uh, I know there were some other challenging uh, accounts earlier in this uh, passage we read through, and we will be digging further into those as we come to these chapters, but isn't it great to already get this preview and have it rattling around in our brain before we get there? All right. Thank you, everyone, for being here with me today. I hope that you will join me again on our next lesson together, and don't forget to say hi, leave a comment, click like, click love, there was a love button. <laughs> Ask your comments, uh, ask your questions, leave a comment, and uh, let me engage with you as we should in this filling richly study. And know, as always, you are loved. I'm afraid for, and I look forward to being back here again with you real soon. Bye-bye for now.